0: the 22
1: November Network, the voice of the grassroots JFK research community, this is the Lone Gummin Podcast with your host, your boy, Rob Clark. Hello, 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 what's up everybody and welcome, as you heard, to the 22 November Network and the Lone Gummin' Podcast. This is your boy Rob Clark coming at you for episode number 19. I can't believe it's 19. It's crazy. Uh, So let me get a couple things out of the way first. (laughs) How cool was it to have me and Doug on each other's podcast? It's crazy. I still can't believe we did it, and we pulled it off, and it sounded pretty damn decent. You know, it's not uh, not superb, 100% quality, but I I think it worked just fine. And it's awesome. And uh, you know, we were together to announce the formation of the 22 November Network, a place where you know the grassroots JFK community can come and hear us talk about research, can interact with us, uh, can read about research, and we can grow together as a community and, you know, stand beside each other and and move forward. And together, we can get big things done and big things accomplished. Believe that. And uh, if you've already listened to Doug's podcast, then you've heard this announcement. Uh, We are pleased to announce that we are going to be live and on the scene at the Warren Report conference. Uh, A critical look at the Warren Report 50 years later. And it's going to be at the Crown Plaza East Hotel in Alexandria, Virginia on September 26th through the 28th. And it's a three-day conference, and me and Doug are going to be live and on the scene we're gonna be doing interviews we're going to be doing videos we're gonna be tweeting live about what's going on and we'd really like you to join us there in person uh, because we're gonna have a good time Um, this will be my first conference JFK related ever so I'm really excited and I'm also really excited to uh, see Doug in person (laughs) And uh, we're, we are going to have fun, no matter what happens. Uh, believe that. And, but yeah, if you can join us, that would be great. Uh, it's like I said, it's in Alexandria, Virginia, so it's it's pretty accessible uh, from anywhere in the mid to upper East Coast to throughout the uh, Midwest. It's a short hop uh, plane-wise. And, but if you can't, it, you know, if it's out of your reach, if it's, uh, too far away or, uh, you can't afford to come, we're going to be your eyes and ears and boots on the ground. Uh, some of the speakers they already have lined up, um, include, uh, Phil Nelson, uh, Peter Janney, uh, Doug Horn, uh, people like that. But for the complete list of, uh, everything, go to Change Hist JFK dot blogspot.com that's C-H-A-N-G-E H-I-S-T J-F-K dot blogspot.com uh, for more details or to order your tickets uh, all the information is going to be right there and uh, I put up a special post about it on our website the Twenty Two November Network uh, so if you can't remember all that uh, just go to our website and you can get through to, uh, to the conference site from there Is put on by the JFK Historical Society, and uh, much thanks to Dr. Denton uh, for having us there. And we'll be talking about it more as we lead up to the conference, and and, uh, the more complete schedule comes out. Uh, But we're really excited about doing that, and we're really excited to be able to bring it to you if you cannot come in person. Like I said, we urge everyone to come and check it out. Uh, You know, we're going to have fun no matter what. And we'd love to see you there. We'd love to meet uh, all of our friends that we talk to and uh, meet actually meet them in person. And that would be awesome. Um, Moving on. Uh, Today, as we dive back into the research, belly of the beast, we're going to be examining... Mr. Jacob Rubenstein, not Ted Rubenstein, Jack Rubenstein, uh, Jack Ruby, if you will. And what I'd like to talk about Jack Ruby is, did he know Oswald? Now there's been many, many allegations over the years that he did and one of the ones that I find the most credible comes from uh, Beverly Oliver, the babushka lady. And she speaks about um, being in the carousel club. And her and the uh, another famous dancer, Jada, were at a table with Jack Ruby and Lee Oswald, whom... Uh, Jack Ruby introduces this is my friend uh, Lee Oswald he's 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 with the CIA and I think this was a couple weeks before the assassination and Beverly Oliver was 17 at the time so she wasn't drinking uh, she wasn't smoking she didn't do drugs Uh, she remembers very clearly that night and meeting him because it stuck out in her head well that's weird You know, to introduce somebody being somebody from the CIA. And of course, she's not the only one uh, that puts Oswald in the carousel club. Um, There's various, various reports, and for me to go through them all here would be very tedious. Um, But I would like to talk about uh, another one, a Mr. Carol Jarnigan. Um, He was a, a Dallas attorney. And, you know, normally attorneys are pretty credible people. Uh, they're, you know, most of them have money or, and they're successful and really have no reason to make up a, make up a lie or a story, you know, even for any reason. You know, unless they have some kind of a mental problem where they want to be famous. But normally attorneys are, you know, pretty level-headed. They're very clear thinkers and uh, they're very successful and have money. And the police really went out of their way to uh, discredit Mr. Jornigan uh, and what he was doing and what what his story was. Now, his story is a pretty fascinating one, if true, of course, uh, to where he relates um, where he was in the carousel club one night. And... Here, I'll read it to you. Uh, Carol Jarnigan, Ruby witness, possible Oswald witness, Dallas attorney. On December 5th, 1963, the FBI received the following letter statement from Jarnigan. I mean, he wrote Hoover personally. Okay, it's Dear Mr. Hoover. On October 4th, 1963, so it was October 4th, I was in the carousel in Dallas, Texas. While there, I heard Jack Ruby talking to a man using the name of H.L. Lee. These men were talking about plans to kill the governor of Texas. This information was passed on to the Texas Department of Public Safety on October 5th by telephone. On Sunday, November 24th, I definitely realized that the picture in the 23rd uh, November 1963 Dallas Times Herald of Lee Harvey Oswald was a picture of the man using the name of H.L. Lee, whose conversation with Jack Ruby I had overheard back on October 4th. According to Jarnigan, Ruby was plotting to kill Connolly because the governor would not cooperate with organized crime. The FBI sent a copy of Jarnigan's document to Dallas District Attorney Henry Wade, who dismissed it with the statement, It didn't ring true to me. Jarnigan was not called as a witness to the Warren Commission, and Wade told the Warren Commission that Jarnigan had been given a polygraph examination, which indicated that he had been in the carousel, but had not heard a suspicious conversation. Now, the conversation that Jarnigan states that he heard, uh, goes a little something like this, and it's pretty crazy. Uh, Lee, you said the boys in Chicago want to get rid of the attorney general? Ruby, yes, but it can't be done. It would get the feds into everything. Lee, well, there's a way to get rid of him without killing him. Ruby, how's that? Lee, I can shoot his brother. Ruby, you mean the president? Lee, yes, the president. Ruby, but that wouldn't be patriotic. Lee, what's the difference between shooting the governor and shooting the president? Ruby, it would get the FBI into it. Lee, I can still do it. All I need is my rifle and a tall building, but it will take time, maybe six months to find the right place, but I'll have to have some money to live on while I do the planning. Ruby. Then boys have plenty of money, but he may never come to Dallas. Lee. It doesn't have to be done in Dallas. I can go to Kansas City or Miami or any place where I can find the right setup. Ruby. Before the boys will let you do this job, you must be certain that you can get away, and with the FBI around, that won't be easy. Lee. It will require the right setup and a split-second timing, but I can do it and can get away. Ruby. You must be absolutely sure about getting away if the setup is not just right it will be better to miss the chance than to take a chance on getting caught as long as you get away they will blame it on some crackpot or the communist or even politics but nobody must ever know where the money is coming from for this job lee where is the money coming from ruby you've heard of the black hand the black hand of death lee the mafia ruby yes the mafia lee are you with the mafia ruby you're asking too many questions remember they know who you are already but you don't know them they'll be watching you but oswald lee don't call me by that name just call me lee ruby all right lee i like you but before you agree to do this job the boys insist that i tell you if you get caught they will come to see me because I am the one telling them that you can do the job and the one they trust to pay you and they will not trust you to not talk they will want me to kill you wherever you are whether you're in jail or in some military prison or wherever they have you and if you do get away without being caught you must never tell anybody who had the job done even if you get away to Cuba you must not talk if word ever got out that the mafia had done this job they would run out of the country If you do talk, then the boys will make me follow you wherever you go, hunt you and kill you. If I don't, they will kill me and send somebody else to kill you. And if you ever tell anybody who paid you for doing this job, the mafia will kill anybody that you've told. Lee, looking up and staring at the witness. Uh, Jarnigan, who is that? He's gotta be from the FBI. He's heard everything we said. We'll have to get rid of him. Ruby, turns and looks at the witness. He can't hear us from there he's watching the show Lee he's been listening to everything we said I'll get rid of him Ruby not here it would get my club involved besides they always work in pairs if he's from the FBI there will be another one somewhere else in the club we'll have to think of something now for Jarnigan to remember that much of a detailed conversation hearing it from a, You know, maybe like the next table over in a crowded bar, uh, very noisy, is a little suspect. Okay. And the Dallas police think so, too. So, on March 2nd, 1964, Chief of Police Curry requests a polygraph examination be given to Mr. Carol Jarnigan. (laughs) And... They nail his balls to the wall pretty good. Here's a list of the uh, pertinent questions and answers given. Uh, From here on, do you intend to answer any questions with the truth? Answer, yes. Indication, false. That means no. Have you ever told the complete truth in this affidavit? Answer, yes. Indication, false. Did you actually overhear this conversation between Jack Ruby and Lee Harvey Oswald? Answer, yes. Indication, false. Were you drinking that night? Answer, yes. Indication, true. Did you actually see Oswald and Ruby at the table on the night of October 4th? Answer, yes. Indication, false. Did you hear this conversation between these two men on that night? Answer, yes. Indication, false. Did you hear the name of H.L. Lee in this conversation? Answer, yes. Indication, false. Is any part of this affidavit false? Answer, no. Indication, false. Uh, Did you deliberately make up this affidavit to get some publicity? Answer, no. Indication, false. Were you drunk that night? Answer, yes. Indication, true. Did you ever hear anything that you put in this affidavit? Or did you hear everything that you put in this affidavit? Answer, yes. Indication, false. After the examination, it is the opinion of the examiner that Mr. Jarnigan did not overhear this conversation and that he made the story up respectfully submitted Paul Bentley polygraph examiner wow okay so pretty much they've established that this guy was there that night but he saw nothing and he was drunk Uh, that's their truth or their version of the truth anyway and uh, there's a pretty famous picture I'll put up on the the 22 November website along with this podcast a picture of uh what some people say looks a hell of a lot like uh Lee Oswald in sitting in the carousel club uh, now it's not a positive identification, but it it is an interesting photo to say the least um, there's been well actually uh, beverly Oliver also uh, has ferry visiting the club she said she met met and talked with him uh, on a number of occasions. That they weren't, like, friends' friends, but they were casual acquaintances. And that he was a very odd person, very intelligent. She said he was basically just a weirdo. uh, Which fits right in with just about every description we've heard about Ferry. Um, But she puts him in the carousel club a couple of times uh, before the assassination. Now, what's interesting to me are the claims that I've heard about uh, Jack Ruby being involved with gun running, uh, which I've touched on in an earlier podcast about uh, him trying to get in touch with McCown. Castro's a gun runner. And, you know, we, it's pretty much been established that he was running guns uh, to Cuba. He visited Cuba on occasion and met with Santo Traficante. Um, him and uh, his buddy Lewis McWillie who was, had mafia ties and to think that Jack Ruby did not have mafia ties is, is a little ludicrous um, I think we've pretty much established that that is the case uh, people in his position you know being these nightclub owners uh, they're in very they're on the fringe of a legitimate business, you know, and uh, like I said before, there was a a big gun running thing going from Dallas, or from Chicago to Dallas to New Orleans to Miami, and it was huge, I mean, it was big time, and uh, these guys were moving guns, And what's also interesting interesting is where Lee Oswald supposedly ordered this man Licker Carcano from. That would be Klein's Sporting Goods of, you guessed it, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, And not a lot of people make that connection. uh, Because, you know, Jack Ruby had the connections back to Chicago. That's where he... Was from. That's where he grew up. That's where he, he knew all of his people. Uh, he had family back in Chicago. He had a, another brother and a sister back in Chicago. And uh, if you believe Judith Ferry Baker's story, uh, you know, she, she puts a, a Ruby visiting New Orleans, uh, visiting David Ferry and uh, Lee Oswald. Everybody's heard of Carlos Marcello, the, the, uh, the head of the crime boss there in New Orleans. But a few people know that his territory extended into Texas and included Dallas. You know, that was part of his territory, part of what he was in charge of. And it kind of, uh, you know, you had Chicago where you had uh, Sam Giancana, who uh, who Doug ties into this whole thing by... Um, Having Lauren Hall, who admitted to uh, receiving was it twenty or thirty thousand dollars coming from Sam Giancana, and him accepting it, and he said the money came from the CIA, which is crazy. But Sam Giancana was a Chicago mafia. Okay. Now we have a guy by the name of Larry Myers who people, you know, like Joan Mellon, believe actually gave the order to Ruby to kill Oswald. And we know, of course, at least people that aren't naive, that Ruby was stalking Oswald. Uh, You know, he was acting like he was a reporter. Uh, He even corrected some people at a certain time about the Fair Play for Cuba committee and he was acting very distraught and very manic in his actions uh after the assassination and the the day after and the night after until he actually did it um, on sunday morning and lauren hall also uh, admits connection to Santo Traficante who was the man in Florida, Miami the mafia's guy there in an exchange he had with A.J. Weberman and I will read this to you now because it is dynamic hall we'll see the, the, the premise of this is Weberman uh, called him and asked him uh, did he know Jerry Patrick Hemming okay Hall, yeah, I wouldn't know anybody like that. Anybody with a name like Jerry Patrick Hemming has either got to be a communist or CIA. Weberman, well, I think this man was a dedicated anti-communist. Hall, who? Jerry Patrick Hemming? If it's the one I heard about, he's CIA. I've got nothing to talk to you about. Anybody who associates with Gerald Patrick Hemming has either got to be CIA, FBI, or an asshole. I got nothing to say. Hey, nobody's going to print anything I got to say. Nobody. Then that's fine. I'm in no hurry to get my head blowed off. Hemming is a CIA punk. I've known the son of a bitch for 15 years. He turned his own goddamn cruise in so he wouldn't have to go to Cuba. He has fingered me on my own goddamn deals and caused me to get arrested. Aw, oh, fuck. Hey, man, as it stands right now, there's only two of us left alive. That's me... And Santo Traficante. As far as I'm concerned, we're both going to stay alive because I ain't going to say shit. I ain't going to have some asshole come up to me and blow me away. The only thing I'm saying is that if you have any assholes come near me, you better have a fucking army with you, baby. Because I got my shit together and I'll blow the first one of you motherfuckers away that even comes near me. And that you can put in print. Wow. Alright, now if you're listening to Doug's podcast, you, you know about Lauren Hall, okay? He is one bad dude, okay? And he does not mess around. Uh, and that's just a little insight into his personality. Uh, but what's interesting is that, is uh, where he says, that's me and Santo Traficante, As far as I'm concerned, we're the only two left because I ain't going to say shit. Now, this is a man who has personally associated himself with Sam Giancana and Santo Traficante, okay? Now, we know from Beckham, he ties in relationship between Carlos Marcello and um, David Ferry, and running uh, a package to Dallas, to Lawrence Howard, his associate, Halls, that is. Uh, his mercenary friend, and we can tie these three mafia points in together. And we know about the rifle, thank you, Doug. Uh, this 30 odd six that was obtained from, uh, by Lauren Hall from Hathcock. And what a lot of people don't know is there was a 30 odd six cartridge found in Dealey Plaza. Okay. Uh, it was found uh, some years later uh, but found nonetheless and I believe it was found on top of the county records building a 6.5 millimeter Carcano uh, which is the average velocity of a 30-06 while this would increase the impact of a bullet much greater Now this is now this is talking about using a sabot, uh, where you would uh, put a man liquor, carcano bullet, to be able to be fired out of a .30-06. It would increase the uh, uh, what's that frames per not frames per second feet per second two thousand feet per second up to two thousand six hundred feet per second, which is the average velocity of the .30-06. Uh, While this would increase the impact of the bullet much greater, you would compromise accuracy for several reasons. Lack of stability as the bullet would not spiral properly down the barrel as it does not meet the barrel twist properly because of the lack of stability and true trajectory from the barrel and due to the fact that this bullet is not designed to carry this much velocity. If one was firing a level shot at a range within 50 yards, the bullet would likely strike somewhere on the target but to fire from this range and elevation it's highly doubtful it would come close to the limo unless the shot had been practiced. Uh, The cartridge found was supposedly crimped in a way to suggest that a sabot round had been used in it, and on the seat of the cartridge was stamped Twin Cities Arsenal, 1954. Wow. And in an interview with Jerry Patrick Heming, uh, he was watching the the uh, footage after the president had been assassinated, and he saw a rifle uh, on television, and he said, "Oh my God, that son of a bitch just has my rifle!" You know, and only someone pretty familiar with guns could be able to tell the difference between a. Uh, Johnson 30-06, and a man like Carcano uh, from seeing it on television. And if there's anybody that could do it, I'm pretty sure Jerry Hemming could do it. Especially if it was his gun that he's looking at. Um, so, But that ties uh, all these guys in with mafia ties. And now, you might say, and I know there's a lot of people out there that don't agree with uh, the uh, mafia ties, but you have to remember... Okay. these were the guys and the mercenaries of course but, but the mafia was like the long arm of the CIA not only did uh, the CIA use the mafia uh, for many of its illegal operations that they had going on inside the United States they also you know, they would use these mercenaries as well uh, for a lot of the uh, illegal things they were doing overseas but they were kind of in bed together when it comes to things that go on inside the United States like drug running uh, gun running uh, hits rub outs because you know of course the CIA is not allowed to operate inside the borders of the United States but uh, the Mafia is and I'll tell you one thing the Mafia was not too happy with JFK and his brother Bobby that is for certain and it doesn't just start later in the 60's when 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 they're really pushing on Hoffa and the uh, Teamsters uh, you know for these racketeering charges you know it's uh, I've got a little clip I'd like to play for you and it's of JFK Uh, before he was president I think it was 1957 uh, he was lambasting Hoffa and you'll, you can tell by the tone of his voice that he is pissed off at Hoffa. And Hoffa is pissed off at him. Uh, so here we go. Let's play this little clip. He introduced a bill to correct abuses of big business and big labor. Opposing the bill was Jimmy Hoffa, leader of the Teamsters Union. They would be very happy to have our legal counsel here, our legislative representative here, as much time as necessary to create the American people with the fact that this is a strike-breaking
0: union-busting bill. And my amendment to this bill is not a strike-breaking union-busting bill. You're the best argument I know for it. Your testimony here this afternoon, your complete indifference to the fact that numerous people who hold responsible positions in your union come before this committee and take the Fifth Amendment because an honest answer, I tend to incriminate them, your complete indifference to it, I think makes this
1: bill essential now there's a little taste of JFK going at it with Jimmy Hoffa when he was in, in the Congress and believe me there is no love lost between Hoffa and the Mafia and the Kennedys that is for certain and if you've ever watched the movie Hoffa uh, with Jack Nicholson at, uh, playing Hoffa uh, but most, most JFK people overlook it but uh, the Kennedys figuring very big into that movie, and Hoffa's actions. And I'm telling you, they had they were at war with each other. They were having some battles. Um, and I'm gonna play a little clip of you, of Bobby Kennedy, and Hoffa going at it. This is interesting too because it contains. Bobby's asking him about a threat that Hoffa had made to him, that he was going to break his back. Uh, check this out. But no one rankled him more
0: than Jimmy Hoffa. Hoffa was president of the Brotherhood of Teamsters, the country's largest, richest, and one of its most corrupt unions. Bobby said he detected in Hoffa absolute evilness. You, Did you say anything to the fact that the jury treated you very well, and that you thought that you could do very well before a jury. I oh, know yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Did you say anything I like can that, not. and I appeal to the chair. that that be taken out of the record. Bobby turned his investigation of Hoffa into a holy cause, holding hearings month after month, and calling more than fifteen hundred witnesses. Punishing Hoffa. You've got people in Detroit, at least 15, who have a fleet record. You've got Joey Glimcoe in Chicago. I say you're not tough enough to get rid of these people, man. But Hoffa was what contemptuous. Right. He denied any wrongdoing, taunting the crusading young investigator. Did you say, that SOB, I'll break his back? Who? You. I'll say to, to who? To anyone. Take your speech. I don't even know who I was talking about. And I don't know what you're talking about. He, uh, Mr Hoffa, I'm trying to find out, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. I'm trying to find out whose back you who were going to break. Figure speech. Figure speech. I used to love, Hoffa said, to bug the little bastard.
1: Wow. <laughs> Figure speech. Figure speech. So as you can see, there was no love lost between these guys, I'm telling you and Jimmy Hoffa can be tied back to the Chicago mob which of course was run by Giancana and boys and who Ruby likely had ties with now an interesting note which Ted Rubenstein in an earlier podcast pointed out when I stated that Jack Ruby and David Ferrier had called the same number in Chicago uh, a couple weeks before the assassination. Uh, I said it was t- to Larry Myers, but it was actually to his uh, to a woman, and I forget her name right now. I want to say her heirs heirs maybe. Um, but it was basically um, Myers' mistress. Probably a safe number, you know, to to reach him at, or at least get messages to him, uh, so as not to disturb him at home. Um. So the 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 connections here that can be drawn are crazy, Um, and of course we can put Larry Myers staying at the Cabana Hotel the night before the assassination. And Jack Ruby going there to have dinner with him. This is the night before. Or no, the night after the assassination. or it wasn't no it was the night of. I think it was the night of the assassination. I'm sorry. I'm getting confused here. Yes, it was the Friday night that he that he went and had dinner at the cabana with Larry Myers. Um also the night before the assassination. This is what I want to say. Uh, we want to talk about Oswald and Ruby possibly knowing each other. Uh, and I believe I touched on it a little bit in the Oswald D- Double podcast, but he was seen by a waitress at the Lucas B and B diner uh, seated with the man who the who the uh, waitress said you know was Lee Harvey Oswald, and that they sat and a little table for about 45 minutes or so and that all Jack Ruby had was something to drink, maybe some coffee, and that the other man, Lee Oswald, had a meal and it just took place approximately between 1 and 2 in the morning. Uh, The only odd thing about it is, you know, she stated that if it was Lee Oswald he had a small scar on his left cheek Uh, but we know Oswald didn't have a scar on his left cheek but William Seymour did and I'll post that picture up also on the 22 November Network site uh, that you can find in relation to this podcast I'm going to put a post up uh, on there and, and throw everything up there I got on all this and of course you can tie William Seymour back in with the Interpen boys and Lawrence Howard and Lauren Hall and you know probably being them three that visited Sylvia Odeo um, so was Oswald involved or was he always just a patsy that's the question because You know, if upon returning from Russia, he was given an assignment to infiltrate uh, this quote-unquote Texas mafia and and their gun-running and their anti-Castro activities, you know, he would have been in deep. He would have been in really deep, uh, you know, from what we see him doing. And it just boggles the mind uh to you know to contemplate all the possibilities because we just don't know for sure uh and it's you know that's what keeps us going that's what keeps us investigating this thing and looking at this stuff and I'm going to be interested to see uh this new movie coming out that uh DiCaprio and uh De Niro are doing uh from the from the Lamar Waldron book, because it, it ties in heavily uh, with the mafia. Uh, we know Sam Giancana told his brother that, that he was behind having JFK killed. I think it's called what was it? Sam and the Boys, something like that. I have the book, but I haven't read it in years. Uh, I probably should have went back and looked at it before we got into all this but it's tucked away in a a dark dusty crate in the bowels of the Loon Gilman podcast uh, studio (laughs) maybe I'll review it and and, uh, brush up on it and touch on the next one Uh, because I know a lot of people just don't put any weight with the mafia theory but when you examine Ruby it's almost undeniable that he was mobbed up from his neck to his shoelaces. And it's pretty much undeniable. And when you see the contempt, you know, the Hoffa and these Teamsters, uh, I mean, he was busting his balls, man. I mean, to just keep calling him back month after month after month after month, you know, and, and interviewing 1,500 witnesses, but he never could make anything stick, that's the thing, Hoffa won, you know, Hoffa beat their ass, of course he had, you know, but if Hoffa, Hoffa was involved with the, with the assassination, and, and maybe coordinating it, or not coordinating it, but coordinating the conversation between these uh, mob bosses and maybe convincing them that it needed to be done. I'm sure Carlos Marcelo said, I'm down for that in <laughs> Trafficante. Uh, was losing his ass because he wanted his casinos back in Cuba. I'm sure he wouldn't have had a problem with it either. Uh, so yeah, lots to talk about, lots to think about. And... uh Hopefully, hopefully Ted Rubenstein will have uh, some thoughts on this. I know he's, he's, he looks into the Mafia quite extensively. And uh, I really am just a cursory uh, reader about the Mafia. I really don't know a whole lot about it. But the connections are pretty undeniable. Uh, that does it for this week. Another edition of the Lone Gummin Podcast. And once again, let me say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for, for, for checking our stuff out, checking out the November Network. All of our bloggers are up and running. They all have a post up already on the site, so please go read them. Um, they're mainly they're not uh, they're not diving into research yet they're mainly just introductory uh, articles or columns as Doug calls them or blogs or whatever you want to call them uh, and we call this assassination conversation we'll call that uh, assassination reading uh, they will be getting into the nitty gritty they are all three very good dedicated researchers uh, but please visit the site I'll show them some love feel free to comment you can comment directly on the wordpress site or the, uh, the facebook site and keep your eyes and ears open about this conference coming up in the end of september like i said you can go to the web go to the website and get all the information on that as well um, and of course we will be talking about that more as it draws nearer. Um, and that is it for this week people Please, if you like what you hear and you like what you see on 22 November Network, do not hesitate to pop links up everywhere you know possible. On Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, whatever you're on, Match.com. It doesn't matter. Post them up. Just If you listen to this, post it in your status. Say, hey, I'm listening to the Lone Gumman Podcast on the 22 November Network. Here's a link. I like it. You should too. Uh, share with your friends, because that's the only way we're going to get bigger. Uh, truthfully, from the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate everything. Uh, please keep listening. Please keep sharing. Keep reading. We, we're, we're trying to get the one big site up, and it's already up, but uh, you know, we want it to be like a beacon in the night. For jfk researchers to come check out and participate in because we're not just doing this for us we're doing it for you as well that does it for tonight this son of a bitch is in the can beamed up to the satellite directly to your ears this is rob clark out
0: they are easy but because they are hard because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept one we are unwilling to postpone and one we intend to win you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to lowes is here to help with special labor day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt Bear Tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery, and update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911. U.S. only.